The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So here we are. So what could today's topic be? <laughs> well, my name is Mira Young, and some of you are familiar with me. Most of you, some may not. And um, I've been a member of this Common Ground Sangha um, pretty much since its inception. So I'm an old yogi. Emphasis on yogi, not the old. <laughs> and uh, been on this path, and I hope just to share some things to help buoy our hearts this morning. Um, and I teach in various contexts in, in the academic world as well as in the community, and I'm also one of those psychotherapists that blend the Buddhist teachings and in uh, integrative therapy. So I work at a grief center and in private practice. And... Uh, I even teach a class on happiness um, at the U. So I'm going to start this fall. So It's not a commercial. It just makes me happy to think about it. <laughs> so um, to, today's talk is, is finding a buoyant heart in the seas of samsara or suffering. Finding a buoyant heart in the seas of samsara or suffering. So what does that mean, samsara? Samsara is this, these endless cycles from beginningless time that essentially, as um, uh, Doug McGill, who's from the Rochester Meditation Center, defined as this maelstrom, this maelstrom of human suffering of being a human being in this world. Can you hear me okay? Sorry, my voice is a little croaky this morning. <clears throat> little up. And what is buoyancy? Buoyancy is act- actually how we stay afloat. It can be in water or air. And even when you have weight that pushes something down, what happens? Boom, it pops up. So is it possible, I often ask my clients sometimes and students, is it possible that we can find some happiness, some buoyancy in the midst of these stormy seas? So while I was sitting here, um, a couple things popped into my head about buoyancy. And one of them is that um, the other day I was making some food. Even though I'm very busy, I thought, no, I need to make some food to take to a young family whose baby had a medical um, crisis um, recently. And uh, he's actually coming along, but it was, it's pretty you know, concerning, and I wanted to be supportive. So... Um, I, um, I started chopping vegetables and cooking in my kitchen. And then I thought, Aretha! <laughs> and I put Aretha on, you know, high volume on my old CD player in the kitchen. And then I actually thought it'd be super fun to just say one word, because that's one of the things to buoy our hearts and that seems to be sorely missing in the world right now is, do it with me, R. 
E. E. S. S. P. E. T. Respect. The other thing is that I love is they they recast the Leonard Cohen special, and I realized that when since I watched it last week with some Dharma friends again, and it it just buoyed my heart. And so um, when I jog, and often like last night, I was riding my bike around Lake Nokomis just at the sunset, and this huge orange scarlet globe was starting to come, you know, as set as the sun was setting, and it had this huge, beautiful stream of scarlet across the water. And uh, hallelujah, right? Hallelujah. And so I got on my bike for another round as after the sun went down. And I just am singing hallelujah, trying not to freak out the other people walking around. <laughs> I'd hum it. I know it's really off key. And then, and then just, but then just let myself sing out loud. And I've been singing more in the car and um, to myself and, and just letting that happen, and fortunately or unfortunately, I wake up with it in my head in the morning. So you can get earworms from this. So, um, you know, this is a very difficult time, and the heart gets really dry and withered and despair. And um, uh, about a few weeks ago, uh, I when after I heard about the... Um, the child incarceration, actually it's more than that, is it a month or more? And then even every day of more restrictions as we you know, make immigrants and other people from different cultures and races and religions you know, um, are, are, are seen as somehow a threat and unacceptable and taking human rights away and, and and services like medical care, and people are afraid to apply for food stamps or medical care for their children because it could threaten their immigration status. So um, there's this sense of needing to respond, and I learned um, from someone, uh, actually the last time I was here giving a talk, um, one of my old colleagues who's a part of this community, Sherry uh, Death. Desmond May said, well, I'm part of this refugee and immigrant circle at Common Ground. I didn't even know we had one. And I guess there's other community groups as well that are working on these issues. And I have been working on um, my own internalized racism with a racial affinity group, and many of us have been, based on Ruth King's work. So um, I thought I, I, I have to respond, and also, as I may have mentioned before, I'm a daughter of a Holocaust survivor, so this really is you know, deep um, in my core um, that I wouldn't be sitting here if my father was not fortunate enough to be found by relatives here and brought to this country. So... Um, one of the things that I, I did is um, I took off work early. I actually canceled someone. So I could go to Flower Power Heal. 
And this was an event or an offering around the incarcerations of all types in our country um, <clears throat> that an art therapist um, who's, who's also active in social justice, Laura LeBlanc, organized at Mounds Park in St. Paul. And I don't know if any of you heard of it or were there. And apparently she was responsible for initiating the mandala that was made at the cathedral when Philando Castile's um, uh, um, memorial or ceremony was held. And so um, I felt compelled to go. And even though I went for a relatively short time when I got there, and I realized I don't know when I if I've been to Mounds Park with the burial mounds of the Native Amer Americans, or it's been so many years. And there we were, way up above the city, above St. Paul with the mounds in this sacred place. And people were uh, sitting on quilts, um, basically beheading flowers. <laughs> and a little monk girl with her family came and says, does it hurt the flowers? And we were, we were putting the flowers of different colors, and there were baskets of purple and yellow and orange and pink. And then the stems <clears throat> were used to construct the circle and, and different quadrants. And people from different cultures and backgrounds, there was an African design being made, there was an Ojibwa way design being made, there was an immigrant man, I don't know which country, may have been Somalia was making a design. Um, and people were very intentional. There weren't a lot of people there. There was a circle of Native American folks sitting here. And we were on this quilt, and it was just very quiet. And people were very focused. So when I left, I noticed there was a storm blowing in. It was one of those storms that left limbs on the ground. And what happened was that um, one of the circles of support that I have at this time is a writer's group with some other women. And that's where I heard about this event. And I had the writer's circle that Monday, and this had happened on a Friday. So I went to the circle on the Monday, and another writer who also happens to be an art therapist who knows Laura told us, said that, you know, that on after the storm, the design and all the flowers were still there. They were all there. So that really buoyed my heart, that there is this incredible intention that we all can hold. And even the smallest of acts done with compassion has an, an enormous power that's beyond words. And when I think about the Buddha's teachings, I think of the three jewels, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And the Buddha, you know, that wisdom, the teachings, the deep understanding, and I'm going to talk a little bit about wrong view, which is, which is the opposite of wise understanding. And our perceptions, which are so skewed right now, we don't even know what reality is, right? We're being questioned, what is real? That the Buddha, the teachings, keep us afloat. The Dhamma, 
the practices themselves, which can also include these self-care practices, like like singing Alleluia to yourself, or listening to Aretha, or or just doing those things to take care of yourself so you don't get too dry and crunchy and go into despair. You know? And then the Sangha, which is the circles of support, like coming here this morning and being with people that are on a path of awareness and compassion and are responding to the suffering in our own hearts and in the world. So there's just example and example of, of how the power of our intention, as the Buddha talks about, to awaken out of the suffering, um, is, really works. So I had an opportunity to um, give another version, a similar version, on this title of this talk at Rochester Meditation Center last um, week. And at the end of the talk, this woman came up to me with tears in her eyes, and she told me that I am from Germany, and my father was a bomber pilot in World War II. And you know what happened next? We cried together and we embraced the power of healing beyond the suffering. So I'm so grateful that this is possible. Um, So there's a sutta um, about the preciousness of a human life. It's um, about the, the buoyancy of a yoke floating on an ocean. You know that one? Um, I actually have, um, I've heard the story many times, but I didn't know that it was an actual sutta. And it's actually in the Majjhima Nikaya, which is a middle-length discourse. And it's called the Bala Pandita Sutta that there's a blind turtle, innumerable kulpas old, living at the bottom of the sea and surfaces for air every hundred years and a wooden cattle yoke waiting for it amongst the waves. The likelihood that a turtle pops its head through the hole in the cattle yoke when surfacing is said to be greater, greater than the likelihood of being born or incarnated as a human. Being born human is luckier than a blind turtle popping its head through a yoke. And, and kalpas, kalpas are countless eons beyond anything we could possibly imagine. So this person, I'm sorry I don't have his name, that wrote this little article I came across, um, said that um, the implication then is that you better get busy becoming enlightened while you've got the chance. Only human beings are said to have, ha- have this capacity. And the fun part is that to a scientist, this looks like a comparison of two simple questions, oceanography and biology. How likely is it for a human to pop its, to, for a turtle to pop its head out in the yolk in the ocean? Well, this person decided to compare the probabilities. Um, not my wheelhouse. So basically, what is the probability? And this is the conclusion. 
All in all, thanks to a couple of real modern estimates about the global extent of the ocean and the big picture numbers of life on the Earth, see we've got the sun shining through right now, we can test the veracity of an ancient spiritual antidote, which turns out to be strikingly accurate. Whether this demonstrates something miraculous about Buddhist sages, humanity, or science, it's up to you but it certainly does feel a bit miraculous. So one of the things that buoys my heart when I think, get down and I, on the human race, is that this gratitude for this opportunity to be a human being in this world with the intention to awaken and compassion and to share that here with one another and in our circles of support. So I want to talk a little more, but I also want to leave time for you all to talk with each other about what are your, what buoys your heart and what are your circles of support, your sangha, the places that you find that refuge and what you take refuge in. It may be your daily practice so you don't lose your temper. I had a falling out where I felt very heard and misunderstood with a good friend. Does that sound familiar? Maybe a partner, a friend. Um, Actually, what's interesting is that just the other day I was sitting with a client who was remembering a best friend, a bestie, many years ago that they lost contact with due to the misunderstanding and confusion from their own conditioning. And just how painful that is. And I was... um, sat down to do my practice, and I was going to have an opportunity to perhaps talk to this person, but I was still, you know where you chew the bone, and it just goes around, and you just think, but, but they said, and they didn't, and I was just like, because it it had been months, and I was like, I'm determined, and yet I'm about to meet with this person, and I'm like chewing the bone, and I'm hooked. So I went down to practice, and, I, and part of my practice is wishing um, all beings to have equanimity, you know. And so I'm doing like these boundless abodes, you know, wishing for equanimity, you know, so you're not reactive to those near and far. And all of a sudden it was like a rock fell on my head. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, and I'm going, what should I do? And oh, and that. And, and may all sentient beings have equanimity from their enemies near and far. And it was like, boom, that's it. And the whole thing just dropped. I thought, thank you to the Dharma. And I went and I had coffee with my friend. And somehow we found a way through the muck to the possibility of beginning again or some healing happened. This is the power of our intention. And this really buoyed my heart. So I don't know if any of you have heard of Ruby Sales. Krista Tippett interviewed her um, a while back. It was actually after Orlando shooting. And Ruby Sales was 17 years old. And a civil, she's a civil rights um, activist. She was, she was a, um, a young civil rights activist. And, and on her name first entered history on August 20th, 1965. On that day in Lowndes County, Alabama, a young white Sumerian, seminarian, Jonathan Daniels, threw his body 
in the way of a bullet directed at then 17-year-old Ruby Sales, and he died instantly. She later created a nonprofit, which she still runs to this day, called Spirit House Project in honor of his legacy. She also quoted John Lewis, and she said, You always have to insist on seeing the goodness in everyone. You don't give up on anyone. She says, this whole business of demonization, I'm really deeply concerned because it does not locate the good in people. It gives up on people. And you see this especially at the right and the left. I'm very concerned about the demonization that comes out of the right-wing communities and also of the left. And it comes from the same source of displaced whiteness. She says, I have deep problems with anger and vitriolic rage that comes out of these sides, and I never thought I would say this, that the only safe landing place seems to be in the middle. I think we really need to think about about that, that we're witnessing something that we really need to pay attention to. What does it mean to be humans? We live in a diverse world, and to talk about what it means to be human is very essential. So we've got to wrap our consciousness around a world where people bring to the world vastly different histories and experiences, you know, but are willing to listen to one another. So we are practicing the middle way, the middle path. Can we practice deeply listening? Uh, um, Minga Rinpoche has a teaching about using sound as a support for meditation practice, and just as as it comes directly from what we practice, right? Hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, really using all our sense doors to connect, to waken with the Dharma. And uh, that... If we can hear the voices of one another as sound, we can actually learn to be less reactive. Can I just hear the voice of someone? And believe me, I'm not there yet, and I wear my wristband. Not there yet. Can I listen to the sound of those voices of those human beings, even when they're filled with hatred? Can I hear them? Just hear them without reacting in vitriolic rage. Um, there's so much that we, we, we see through these eyes of perception that are distorted. Wrong view. Wise view is a reinstatement of what life is. Life is more connected than it appears or has appeared to me in the past. This view holds a sense of interconnectedness at its base. Thich Nhat Hanh says the Buddha always reminds us that our afflictions, including our fear and our desiring, are born from ignorance. And that is why in order to dissipate fear, we have to remove wrong perception. Tara Brach talks about listening with the ears of the heart. When we really listen to one another, are the folks we're in dialogue with, they can sense a space where they can speak authentically. 
And Naomi Rachel Remen writes, the places we are seen and heard are holy places. They remind us of our value as human beings. They give us the strength to go on. Eventually, they may even help us transform pain into wisdom. Pain into wisdom. So I'd like to close my part with a few poems and a couple comments. And and give you an opportunity to talk about what buoys your heart, what helps you wake up and to be able to have wise view, to be able to respond with compassion to the suffering in the world. So this is a poem by Rumi that I had never heard of, and he's one of my favorites. And one of my uh, writing sisters read this to us um, and, and this is one of the places where we write and we share um, to help buoy our hearts. Buoyancy. It's a little long, but hang in there. It's worth it, I think. Love, feel free to close your eyes. Just listen with the heart if you like. Love has taken away my practices and filled me with poetry. I tried to keep to keep quietly repeating, but no strength but yours. But I couldn't. I had to clap and sing. I used to be respectable, chaste and stable. But who can stand in this strong wind and remember these things? A mountain keeps an echo inside itself. That is how I hold your voice. I am a scrap wood in your fire. Quickly reduced to smoke and ash, I saw you and became that empty. This emptiness, more beautiful than existence, it obliterates existence, and yet when it comes, existence thrives and creates more existence. The sky is blue. The world is a blind man sitting beside the road. But whoever sees your emptiness sees beyond the blue and the blind man. A great soul hides like Mohammed or Jesus, moving through a crowd in a city where no one knows him. To praise is to praise how one surrenders to the emptiness. To praise the sun is to praise your own eyes. Praise the ocean, what we say, a little ship. So the journey goes on and no one knows where. Just be held by the ocean as the best luck we could have. Just being held by the ocean is the best luck we could have. It's a total waking up. Why should we grieve why, why should we grieve that we have been sleeping? It does not matter how long we've been unconscious. We are groggy, but let the guilt go. Feel the motions of tenderness around you the buoyancy. Feel the motions of tenderness around you, the buoyancy. And I'll close with this. This is from one of my writing sisters, Elisa Alan. I am the one who swims with the fish, cool salt water on my sun-heated skin. I am buoyed and held by the sea. I swim with fish, turtles, and rays. An exchange with octopus shows me 
that moving slowly, sensually, with awareness is how to live. I notice for a moment I am not the weight of the world, and then I am back in the arms of the sea with nothing to do but be. Let's just sit for a moment. So letting go the words. And then let's drop in the inquiry question. What buoys my heart? What practices? What circles of support? What ways can I or do I buoy my heart or experience that? Um, When I talked about this the other night, um, one of the participants said ice cream cones. (laughs) And we briefly discussed flavors. So um, encourage you to turn to a partner or two and have a little conversation for a few minutes, five minutes, ring the bell, and let's share some wisdom together. Um, you know, we're all um, walking the path together. So enjoy, and please stay if you can to talk. We have, we have another 10 minutes before our time is up. So go ahead. And then we'll dedicate the Barrett. <laughs> Please continue the conversations uh, as you uh, as you leave the center. Um, it's wonderful. Talk about sounds washing over. It's marvelous. So I'm happy for that. And uh, so let's just have a few minutes to um, just share anything that that you would like um, from either your discussion or. Whatever you like. We have a microphone. Um, I believe it's recorded tonight. Uh, The other one was off the record, but this one's not. (laughs) So please share. um, And then I have something. We'll close and dedicate the merit and any announcements. So um, someone. Thank you. Please. And do say your name so we can continue to get to know each other. Hi there. Hi. Is it on? Yeah. Okay. I was just sharing with Melissa here. Um, yesterday I attended a full day retreat and I was reminded of this space and how um, there was this person in this retreat that doesn't normally come here and he was sharing at the end and saying how he has never sat in a circle with people feeling so welcome and supported and it reminded me of maybe my first times at Common Ground I started coming, doing yoga, and then opened up to the practice. Um, And how really true that is, I don't think there's another place, space, that holds us Mm -hmm. and supports us at any stage of our lives, at any place we are Mm -hmm. in this practice, 
um, yeah, just really thinking about that and how truly, like, it moves me so deep how truly um, wonderful it is, joyful. Thank you. Yes. What's your name? Leah. Leah. Thank you, Leah. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciating our sangha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tom. Yesterday, yesterday, I was uh, watching the American champ or the U.S. championship of the Little League World Series, <laughs> and uh, it was Hawaii playing against a team from Georgia. And what I what I was moved by is is just the way it is in Little League competition. And to watch these people play against each other, but yet so happy with one another. Um, there was this little boy from Georgia that made an amazing catch. Uh, he's at second base. And when they came off the field and the Hawaiian team went out on the field, they all ran over and gave him a big hug. <laughs> oh, nice job. Nice job. Wow. And, wow. Uh, and the coaches that work with these kids were just, so great saying, you know, this is here for you to be have a good time. Anyway, I was Thanks. buoyed up a lot when I saw how, <laughs> how beautiful these kids come here and interact. And there's 16 teams that show up, and they had videos of different places. 16 <coughs> different teams just all interacting and playing and talking. And, you know, what a great, great way to be. So uh, thank, thank you. you. We have one more person then. Unless you want to keep going, I I have time. I just want to honor yours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One else to share? Okay. Great. Thank you. My name is Jeffrey, and you had me at your Leonard Cohen song, Hallelujah. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Leonard. I'm especially intrigued because you study happiness. You're a psychotherapist. And I'm guessing you've probably got some good thoughts on the role of music mm-hmm. to promoting individual happiness, mm-hmm. but even a sense of community. So um, when I contrast different religious styles here in America, the evangelical megachurch, for example, it's a pretty big part of it, and it seems to be working. Um, it draws in a lot of young people that way, and I wonder if there's not from your own experience, some kind of um, real celebratory effect that's needed mm-hmm. in the context of music and shared musical expression to help develop community. And if Buddhism itself is going to maybe become more of a global movement, if it might not have to incorporate in some of these other cultural elements. Thank you. Thank you for the question. And it's a maybe we'll have a community group about. Um, you know, ways of, of, of um, bringing music and other kinds of ways of coming together. And actually, there's a lot as the Dharma is shifting and changing in the West. There's, you know, we're bringing yoga in, movement, um, all kinds of things are being blended in as the Dharma goes to our different countries. And we started today with chanting. And um, so I, I think it's a big question and also... 
you know, how do we find we're exploring this continuum of, you know, the, the, the silence and taking refuge in, in some of that stillness and also the celebration and engagement. So I think, you know, often at our um, times we get together uh, for our annual celebration, we have musicians here. And um, we even had one for a benefit for one of our longtime teachers, Steve Armstrong, and, and Ellis sang, Larry Long is sang, Linda Breitag is sang. So I think there's a lot of beautiful Dharma music. Um, we, I, I just want to um, share one snippet of this gratitude poem from um, Anam Tupton and announce that Anam Tupton will be here for a public talk in October. I believe it's the... 19th, um, and he's a wonderful teacher. He also looks like a Buddha. And he, he says, Dharma is like jazz. And he's written um, The Magic of Awareness, No Self, No Problem. So he'll be coming here, and there will be a weekend retreat, um, and there's information, a link. I'll put up a, a flyer downstairs. Um, and so I'll just close with gratitude, and we'll dedicate the merit um, this is from his Magic of Gratitude poem from Big Sky. is his poetry book. I'm grateful to the earth for sustaining life, cloud for rain, flower for its beauty, sea for its grace, mountain for its majesty. Then he also mentions the animals, the hummingbirds that, that make me smile with their cuteness, the squirrels that make me laugh by their mischievousness. Coyotes for invoking the wildness by their ghostly howling. The world will be very lonely if they're not there. I'm even grateful to the problems that woke me up from my illusions and led me to the path of compassion. I would not trade them for every, anything. Right now, under the full moon's gaze, I'm writing, thank you in the air and blowing kisses everywhere. Open your heart, you might get one. So let's, let's offer the merit of our time and our wonderful community here, all of us, um, um, you know, the benefits of our practice and our good intentions go to the benefit and awakening of all sentient beings everywhere in all directions and all places and times, including oneself. Peace, peace, peace. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.